0: Hello everybody and welcome back to the Alien vs Predator Galaxy podcast. This is Aaron Percival, aka Corporal Hicks, and joining me are usual co-hosts and partners in crime, Adam Zeller, who normally goes by the title of Ridgetop, or the alias of Ridgetop, but we've decided to call him the Tangent Master now. Welcome back to episode 99.
1: Hello again everyone. I'll try and keep it on topic for this one, but we'll see. We always
0: do a few tangents. As long as it's mildly related and it's interesting, it's fine. And also joining us is uh, Eric Adams, a.k.a. Xenomorphin. That would actually be me. So, yes, you're very correct. <laughs> I certainly would. Mm. And this is our final episode of the year, known as 2019. Um, we'll be kicking off 2020 with the, the big 100 which will hopefully be a pretty interesting one. We've got something I'm quite looking forward to in store for that one. Something nostalgic, for sure. And something very related to the site's origins. Okay, so it's December. So we are doing Alien versus Predator, an, an episode that actually talks specifically about an Alien versus Predator thing. Last year, we did the original AVP comic, which would have been episode 78, Was last year's uh, December episode and we talked about AVP, the original series. Prior to that, for 2017, we did an interview with Liam O'Donnell, who worked on AVP Requiem, and is also the writer and director of Beyond Skyline and the new one, which is Skylines, I believe. And for 2016, we did a discussion of Paul Anderson's AVP Skyline's with a three rather than the E. They're going that route, and that oh, was episode forty-three. That's terrible. And then in two thousand and fifteen, for episode thirty, we discussed Peter Briggs' script for AVP from the nineties. I think the last four years are the only time we've really been doing that little tradition. good tradition
1: though because i always think of avpr around christmas you know Uh, well yeah that's certainly true
0: but again it's it's an alien versus predator website and even though it encompasses all things it's aliens and predator and aliens versus predator you know it's up there in the title but there's just not as much content because there's not as much stories or books or comics to do with avp so i do like to make sure we always specifically pick on something avp to go out the year with at least now we do there used to be
1: i think back before the movies the comics and novels were well i don't know if there was ever really as many avp oh no as no the, there wasn't the other ones but there were more than there are now which is why i'm really glad here's my first tangent guys was um the dark horse announced the new alien versus predator comic Blood. what's it called again thicker than blood right yes i think pretty sure it's thicker than blood so that's the f- first standalone avp comic that's not you know part of the prometheus collections that we've had since three world war yeah geez so almost ten years. nine years almost 10 years yeah so it'll be good to have that i really like the cover artwork we've we've seen so
2: that'll be the first under the disney regime won't it thicker than blood avp
1: stuff i think they're pretty they've been pretty hands-off with the extended universe no but i mean
2: avp specifically it's the first under the yeah
0: it might not have come out from disney's might have been commissioned
2: earlier but yeah yeah
0: uh, I actually I was quite surprised by this one to be honest, but I'm quite looking forward to it because it's got Doug Wheatley uh, doing the artwork, the interior artwork for it, and he was responsible for the interior artwork for *Destroying Angels*, which is one of my favorite comics.
2: Ooh, I didn't know that. Now I'm even more. Oh excited. yes, me too. So
0: I'm very looking forward to that and. Is also being coloured by what's her name Rain Burrito, who did the colouring on Dust to Dust, and I really enjoyed her work in that. So, Tufa, I'm quite, I'm quite pleased about this one.
2: Interesting combination.
0: But back in the day, War was the follow
1: up, which is the one we're talking about today. Uh-huh. Is Aliens versus Predator War, which is the follow up to the original. Comic series that had the very well known story among fans of Broken Tusk and Machiko Naguchi on the Rishi Colony, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. Is that Rushi or Rishi? I always go Ryushi. Ryushi. Okay
2: originally this was not war originally it was just alien versus predator 2 and because this is split up into part 1 and part 2 originally when it was printed it was just the part 1 so it is, this is they sort of combined two stories together which is where it's, it's got a sort of it doesn't quite gel sort of feeling going on when you read it as a collected whole
1: See, beyond the first time I read the original comic, which I just had that as standalone, most of the comics, my first experience to them was actually through the Omnibus series. Like I read through all of those at one time. So a lot of the comics I had never read before, with the exception of a few like the original comic. And so to me, I had always just known it as, as War the Follow-Up. Although I did read the alternate sequel, Hunter's Planet, before I read war and it's been a long time since i've read hunter's planet so that's another podcast we're thinking of doing but i remember enjoying war more even uh, sorry not war uh hunter's planet a bit more even though it was, it was a bit wacky like it had dinosaurs and shit but i remember
0: personally enjoying the story a bit more but if i went back and read it now maybe. see i i've always had bad memories of hunter's planet i've read it once Thought it was ridiculous and never wanted to pick it up again. But whenever we speak about it, you always you've always got so fond memories of it, and it's one of those ones I keep meaning to pick back up off the bookshelf and give another go. But we'll definitely we'll definitely do a- an episode on that one eventually.
1: Yeah, I think maybe my praise for it was just because I was young. <laughs> I liked how ridiculous it was. I think uh, backpedaling already. Well, we'll see. We'll see. I could <laughs> still love it. I still love AVPR. So
0: boo. We'll see. But yeah. So I like you. You know, a lot of my experiences of the comics were through the omnibus it was a huge reason of why i loved them because a lot of them a lot of like the one shots and the shorts haven't been collected so the omnibus was fantastic to get all these things without having to hunt around on the secondary market i still stand by the omnibuses
1: yeah i still have all mine they're great although i i really like what dark horse is doing with the new essentials collection that seems to be like the replacement i don't think they're ever going
0: to do any more omnibuses now that was kind of a it it was a Early thing back then. Thing for them. Yeah, because they did Terminator ones. They did Alien Legion ones. Mm-hmm. I think. They, I think they had some Indiana Star Wars Jones. Jones as well. Yeah, Star Wars. A bit. No, I I I've read War in the um, the Essentials volume for this one. That's what I reread them from. I really I really like having them in the bigger bigger volumes as well now because the omnibuses were only like A five sized. So having them in a in a nice bigger size was was made this read a bit more enjoyable for me. Although the downside of the the essential stuff is they're not reprinting everything. The AVP one reprints Machiko's story, but there's other shorts in there that that are a, a part of this narrative that this misses out. So things like Duel, things like Blood Time, stuff like that. And I think when War was originally collected as a trade in 1995 or something like that. Uh, 96, sorry, when they did the trade with that sort of cover of uh, Michiko raising her helmet above her face while she's got the uh, burner in her hand. You know, that did actually collect dual and it did collect Blood Time. You know, at least back then, they (laughs) tried to keep all those ones together, even if they weren't directly connected to her story. You know, war is very much... Machiko's story you know it's about her reclaiming her humanity i guess which is kind of where i have a little bit of a problem with this one because it feels like we were missing a couple of stories in between avp and this one um even though i do think it does a good job of showing how she is alienated um no pun intended by the predators but i do feel like there was some gaps missing but before we get into it then um rich top do you want to give us a brief plot summary for those who might not have read or read it recently
1: Yeah, I'll just, again, go through it briefly and not go into the plot details too much. But essentially, this takes place a year after the events of the
0: original comic, or is the novel pointed prey? Well, it'd be three years after the end of the original, because I think she's on her own for two years.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah, so she's just been rolling with the Predators for a year. Yeah,
0: yeah, after they've picked her up.
1: So it starts off where they are landing on this planet that's been infested with aliens and they're going there to collect a queen that they're going to use, as we saw in the original comic, to seed the worlds to hunt and this is not a hunt as Machiko kind of talks about narrates to the, the audience or the readers this is war you know but they, they're going in with all these heavy weapons to just go into the hive and, and capture the queen and they do so but along this mission the predators are really giving Machiko a hard time like knocking her around like very much like a why are you even here kind of attitude and at the very end of um, well, some and capturing of them the queen. Some of them are. Yeah. They get the uh, the queen onto the ship and they get it into like the holding chamber and the predator that's kind of, kind of bullies her the most that's, uh, she's nicknamed Shorty, locks her in the room with the queen and she has to like fight the queen without killing it because that would obviously make the predators who had died retrieving this, this queen, uh, their sacrifice would be in vain. So she had to defend herself and then escapes through an air vent in the ceiling of the room. So she gets out and then it just kind of shows her misery rolling with this tribe, really, Uh, she's very much questioning why she made the decision to go be a part of the, the tribe. Of these predators. And this this is kind of an interesting, I would say the most interesting part of the story for me is just seeing the ship and the caste system on the ship. Like she talks about the unblooded warriors have to sleep in the pits or whatever, but because she's a different species, they gave her her own quarters, which is typically only reserved for more experienced hunters. And then she kind of, she speculates on if things would be different if Broken Tusk had survived, which is also kind of interesting because he was the one who initially blooded her. So I kind of have to think like if he was a Around this, she wouldn't have been getting pushed around as much because Broken Tusk was very respected, and he probably would have advocated for her since he was the one who originally blooded her. But unfortunately, since the queen killed him in the original comic, he's he's not around to stand up for her, and she's very much uh, not that she can't stand up for herself in this story, as she does totally. But I'm talking more of just like a social context of of respect, and she's very, I would say, with maybe with the exception of Topknot, who's the new clan leader. Very disrespected among the the predators that she's rolling with. So after this, we see a uh, surviving group of humans that are kind of adrift in a small sh- ship called the Nemesis, if I'm correct. Yes, it was. It, they are a shuttle from the Nemesis, right? And so these are three surviving characters from an aliens comic originally called Berserker, but which I recently discovered was renamed Frenzy for some reason. In the in the comic, it says see aliens berserker. So these three characters kind of show up and you can tell they've been through um an infestation. I thought that was a little jarring just having these characters there and it's like see the previous comic. Like personally I I kind of wish this was a more tied just to the original aliens versus predator comic rather than standalone comics. I mean it's cool to have little throwbacks here and there, but to have these primary characters from the story show up at the end of an ordeal and it's like, oh go back and read about their ordeal. Yeah, it works, but it's not it's not ideal in my opinion. Okay, so they establish contact with a planet that has a whaling Utani installation, and they land the ship to refuel. But the only reason they've really been giving precedence is because the the company is very much interested in information they think they have regarding the planet they escaped from.
0: It's it's a space station, just for just for reference for the the anal nitpickers out there. They came from a space station. Nine four nine, yeah. right? Yeah. And it is actually Wayland
2: Utani. I, I do remember in the old '90s comics, there was a long time before they actually mentioned Wayland Utani. So this sort of been one of those yeah. initial because it was even when um, Machiko was on Ryoshi, what was the? case? It was like Chigusi. Yeah, yeah they never yeah, actually, actually mentioned yeah. Wayland Utani.
1: But in this in this comic, they do. And in, in war, they do. So, yeah, I haven't I haven't read Berserker for a long, long time. I need to go back and read it cuz I remember nothing of
0: it. The books, the novels actually one of the better ones from that run because SD Perry just elevated the comics so much, made it so much more mature. Very yeah. recommended if uh, if you can. F- well, no, you would be able to find it now because of the new time reprints.
1: Yeah. So, no, it should
0: should be very recommended.
1: So, our three humans, Laura, uh Jess and Elliot? Ellis. They Ellis, they get immediately quarantined. And the head of this installation, Vincent, uh, I guess knows a higher up in the company. And he's going to come there personally, Mr. Briggs, because he's very much interested in the data that they suspect these three survivors have. So he's on a a shuttle himself towards the planet. And during this time, uh, we kind of go back to the Predator ship. And very much like the original comic, the Predator's like to spar with each other and assert their dominance on their downtime. And Top knot tells Machiko, because I guess he sees the rivalry she has with Shorty, that they need to fight. And they do. And she very much has the upper hand while they're sparring. But um, some of Shorty's friends grab her ankle and cheat, essentially, so he can get the upper hand. And then she realizes she's, she's kind of screwed unless she allows herself to lose what she does. And that kind of forfeits her uh, place as part of the hunt. So she's just going to stay on the ship and straight up just cook for the predators while they are hunting on this planet.
2: Oh, it's not just cooking. She is actually performing as a waitress. She's like a yeah. bar wench in an old <laughs> Viking village there.
0: And he even manages to drop some bottle of something. Yeah. yeah. There was some, some British guy in the back of the predator ship going, way. <laughs> there is. And, she, and to add on insult to injury,
2: she's doing it in her gladiator bikini.
1: Yep. Yeah. Her her helmet With kind of
2: helmet
0: changed on. appearance, I think, from the original. We we were me and Eric were talking about this before you um before you showed up. Her head is so huge in that Predator mask in part <laughs> yeah. two. Uh, it's ridiculous. I much prefer the proportions from um from yeah, part one. Yeah. The look of the mask changed
1: too. It was like just more was, angular, I thought. It was, like. Yeah, it was more angular. It was very curved in where they're capturing the queen. It was a weird thing that Which, I noticed.
0: I, th- I think that's the that particular take is the one that Necker used for yeah. their figure for her. Yeah, I really it prefer is. that one. Anyway,
1: so sh- this just kind of keeps the concept going that she is not happy with her decision to be rolling with these predators. And she wonders if the whole thing has been worth it. Somewhere along the line, she um, picks up some radio chatter. So actually, no, that that comes later. So the predators go down to this planet that they see to hunt. They don't realize humans are there, but once they do, uh, they're essentially starting to just hunt the humans along with the aliens. And the uh, the corporate uh, sleazebag guy, Mr. Briggs, shows up and he starts interrogating the survivors for information. And they find out that where they survived one from, the space station, 949, was intentionally seeded by the company as just an experiment. And so they're looking for the data from that experiment, which is weird that they wouldn't have
0: access to that. That's all stuff that we learned during Berserker as well. So that's nothing new in terms of the actual narrative.
1: It kind of reminded me, though, of that... um, the fan art, or not fan art, the um, promotional art that was teasing—it was kind of a anticlimactic tease, honestly—that was teasing some of the Amanda Ripley stuff that came out earlier this year. If you remember, that showed like the yeah. Willian honey yeah. research facility, and it showed a, a colony being intentionally seeded for experimentation. So it kind of rem- kind of reminded me of of that, and that's an interesting thing to look at for the company. It does make them a little cliche you know mustache twirling for sure but you have to imagine a company that literally had like all these infinite resources like Weyland-Yutani and wanted to learn more about the alien maybe they would do some nefarious stuff like that so it's an interesting concept very resident evil-esque like akin to umbrella corporation's experiments
2: oh so. totally
1: very umbrella
0: i don't i don't see why they wouldn't want you know that kind of data though it made makes sense to me
1: yeah, it's just, you know, if they ever got caught or whistleblown or something, like, maybe they would just be powerful enough that they could silence anyone who did that. Well, you don't
2: need to, like, how long does it take aliens to kill 400 unarmed colonists? I mean, it's you don't need to actually do that. You can pretty much guess it would be not very long. So- yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> Ac- accurate information. First-hand information. <laughs> it's, good on,
2: it's good on the sales leaflets. Uh, pretty sure they can do a computer simulation if they wanted to it yeah, just they, they, yeah they don't it's care pretty, about that because no, they're an evil company
1: tm so mr briggs tries to offer them a deal saying look we'll give you a reward we just want the data and you can you can leave but obviously you can't talk about anything that happened which why he tells them that it was an experiment is kind of well they discovered that on their own did they not in the yes, events of yes they knew it all yeah okay so they they had already destroyed the data, but he doesn't know that. So they're kind of using it as leverage. But during this interrogation is when the predators kind of infiltrate this facility, and Machiko hears about it on her radio. Something she had just brought on from when she was on the Ryushi colony.
0: And it's worth pointing out that she'd already heard the garbled distress call from that shuttle earlier, um, because there was a nice page where it's sort of setting up her motivation, where she's saying that this is like her only connection with humanity. But most of the time, it's just conversations between other people and garbled calls. And she's sort of like, you know, crying, regretting everything when she's hearing the nemesis' distress call.
1: Right. So at this point, she just decides, you know, fuck this. I'm still human and and they're hunting humans and I'm going to help my own race, which I think is a little naive, and this kind of goes to when she sees in the, the sparring sequence, she sees one of the predators walk in that has like a marine bandana around his severed hand, and she kind of like, seems like she gets offended at that, and he just kind of knocks her away. And I'm like, really? Like, you, you don't know predators hunt humans too?
2: Yeah, I mean, she, on the event she was involved in, She that's what triggered the whole broken tusk against the rest of his thing. She knew they hunted humans. It's
1: Right, well, she does, and she's like, oh, well, I assumed it was a fair fight. It must have been... And then yeah. she says, like, like that makes it any better. So she's pretty conflicted about the fact that, that they hunt humans. And I guess she is. She has just gotten to her wit's end at this point. And so she just starts killing predators off guard on the ship and locks herself in the, uh, the queen holding room. But the queen is still restrained.
0: No, no, no. She's
1: in the bridge. She goes to the bridge. Oh, right?
0: Okay. Yeah. So yeah. She,
1: she releases the queen from the bridge. And the queen kills off the rest of the predators that are locked away from getting to her and then she crash lands the ship on this planet that they're hunting on so she can help the humans and she just crash lands right by the humans and introduces herself and it is a little strange honestly <laughs> that's a very comic book
0: convenience that, that yeah
1: and what's funny is like she she uh they're very surprised she's with the hunters and she kind of defends them a little bit like oh it's exhilarating and i'm like you just you know You've forsaken your tribe here, and now you're just like, oh, no, you just don't understand. And I'm like, uh, she's definitely a confused confused girl here. Anyway, so she, at this point, these humans had escaped just because of the havoc that was being caused in, in the installation. And so she's with them trying to help them get off the planet, and they confront the predators as well. One of the characters who's kind of a nerd, I'm going to get his name wrong again, Aaron. Ellis. Ellis, right. come on, man. <laughs> So he was in Berserker, and, and in that comic, he had piloted this battle mech called the Max or the Mobile. Let's see if I can remember this one: Mobile Assault Exo Warrior. Yes, right. I think
0: that's it. It's Exo Warrior or Exoskeleton.
1: Right. So apparently, when one pilots this battle mech, it takes a psychological toll on them, which they they reference throughout this comic, but. They still are in possession of that mech on their ship. And so he runs off to get it. And that kind of gives them an edge in terms of fighting the, the aliens and the predators. And now Machiko, they they encounter Top Knot and he's like pointing at her, like, you've betrayed us. But it doesn't really go beyond that. We don't see Top Knot again after that. And I thought there was going to be a more dramatic confrontation with him.
0: The, the, the big confrontations with Shorty and his mate, though.
1: Right. Right, she does eventually fight her rival again, Shorty, and this time she kills him. And they escape on uh, uh, another predator ship, one of the smaller hunting shuttles. And they—this uh, was also kind of weird. They—they they give the exo armor to the corporate guy who showed up, Mister Briggs, who's been face hugged. One of his bodyguards was an android, which I also thought was weird because his other bodyguard was just taken out with the with the throat chop by Laura pretty quickly. I was like, well, if he was an android, so I guess only one of them was an android? Yeah, anyway. it seems
0: to be the gaze.
1: Anyway, so since his boss was face-hugged, he's like, oh, uh, well, I just gave him the, the battle armor so he could fight with what little time he had left. And I was like, that's strange. Why would the corporate guy
0: just do that? But okay, whatever. But I think he would have been zoned out by that point, and it's just... I don't know. I mean, because they're crazy
2: comic book characters. That's why. But
0: in Berserker, the the guy that was piloting the suit was just like constantly doped up and I guess barely conscious. I assume that's kind of the intent that they went with Briggs because he was all face hugged and unconscious. So it was just the Max suit operating on default, I guess. But anyway,
1: weird though. They escape and fly off to the sunset, and Chico reclaims her humanity. And it honestly kind of ends abruptly right there. Like we still have this big battle going on and they just they just leave and Machiko has some internal dialogue and then it just kind of ends. So that you know, I did I should I should let you do these story <laughs> synopsis Aaron cuz you're actually better at it than me, but those are the broad strokes. It's still worth a read. It's still an interesting comic. I think how the story focuses on Machiko is is strong in that regard, but it falls in terms of like what we were talking about, just obvious comic booky moments that come in and are a little too comic booky, I guess. But
0: let's just do a bit of uh, housekeeping before we break it down and talk about our points ourselves then. So the first part that, that Rich Top mentioned, you know, the bit with the capture and the queen is actually known as issue zero. And it was a collection of 14 installments, the uh, mini installments that were originally published in promotional comics in Dark Horse Insider. Um, it was originally done in black and white. And then it was collected and coloured by Jim Jim Sinclair as issue zero of Alien versus Aliens versus Predator War. And the main bulk of the story, issue one to four of that, was Oh. Um so Chris Warner, who is pretty famous himself, penciled issue zero, part one. And then three blokes worked on the main series. Mike Manley worked on one to two, Jim Hall worked on three, and Mark Hike worked on four, and Chris Chalinor coloured um all of those issues. Jim Sinclair previously worked on Duel, I think. I think he coloured duel. Um which I'll just check actually. Yes. Um Jim worked on Duel. Now uh, Chris Chalinor himself has a lot of credits. He did Aliens Lucky, Aliens Purge, Kidnapped, Wraith. He also did the little comic that uh, you get in the Alien 3 trading cards at the end of those. Uh, Predator-wise, he's worked on the big first two, Concrete Jungle and Cold War. He worked on the original Batman vs. Predator. Pride at Nagasa. Um, he did Bad Blood. He coloured Bad Blood. And he also worked on Booty and somehow involved in a recoloring in a republish of the original AVP, but I've yet to really see anything about that one. Dark Horse Classics. So, you know, he had a lot of big pedigree behind him it was written by randy stradley who wrote the original avp and i think that's all the main stuff so where do we start then guys should we start should we talk about this as a continuation of michiko's story was it was it satisfying you know would you have imagined this being where where her sort of adventures led her back to her humanity did that make sense to you
1: For me, personally, it was a bit disappointing. I think this kind of goes to what you mentioned earlier, Aaron, and just that it feels like there's a lot of stories of her with the Predators that we missed. Like There has to be a reason she's put up with with this for so long, and she had to get some sort of fulfillment or satisfaction from it for a while before it just kind of fell apart for her. So I feel... I do felt like it jumped ahead a bit much and there would have been a lot more interesting interactions with the predators that we could have seen. And we end up getting that really, I think, in the next comic, Three World War, which those three kind of make up the the Machiko trilogy, if you will, even though she's had a couple of other cameos in other comics or... Has it only been? No, the three. I think that's
0: it. That's it. And Hunter's Planet.
1: So, um, for me, it was it was not a satisfying sequel to the first because the first AVP comic is just so good, and I think for almost any fan of of both of them, remains up there as one of the best. And unfortunately for for me, anyway, it it just didn't live up to the original. It was still well done, especially the artwork. Like the line art in this is great. Could use a color update. So could the original. You know. Three World War, I thought, had better, better colors, obviously, because it was just a more modern comic. But the line art for this, just like the original, remains really strong. And I think if you updated the colors for those two, as we keep ragging on Dark Horse to do, it could really make them shine. But as far as the story goes, it just wasn't there for me like it was in the original. It was kind of bittersweet that we lost Broken Tusk at the end of the original because I would have liked to have seen how that dynamic developed. And of course you had the exact same thing in the AVP movie where, uh, scar bloods Lex and then he gets killed by the queen very much ripped straight from the original comic in that. So in this one, Machiko laments his death and maybe things would have been different if he had still been around. And as a reader, yeah, you think the same thing, like, man, these predators are kind of like dickish to her. Like, you know, it's a shame she doesn't have her friend who initially blooded her around, but it, it still is. The story works. It's just disappointing, because I would have liked to have seen her more fulfilled by this choice that she had made, I guess. But that just comes down to my personal expectations. What about what about you guys? How did you feel about it as a follow up to the original?
2: I'm one of those who remember the um, part one being printed in black and white in the old original, I think it was monthly Dark Horse Aliens comic. And I think that some of the original AVP comic has been reprinted with that part collected in it as a sort of like an epilogue. I think part one works really well, and there's some great stuff like that part at the opening where you see that alien landscape, and you have Machiko's narration, and she talks about what she calls the hunters, which are clearly the predators, and they have their own folklore, but it's basically politicized, and it's whitewashing their own involvement, where she says she suspects that basically they're responsible for seeding the aliens on so many worlds and you have this massive battle which um like i look at it now with more mature eyes and i think that they're letting them, getting awfully close to them for a radically advanced alien species but i mean it's really you get a really visceral sense of you know if predators went to war maybe this is be what happened and it's a sort of predator version of D-Day it's really nice but you have that other section where Shorty because of his height is bullied by the other predators so he starts picking on the human and you see this rivalry to the point where he basically fucks her over and leaves her to die enclosed with the queen and she has to innovate in order to escape and she does it and it's, it's humiliating him twice because, or her we don't know twice because early on she saves this Shorty predator life by letting him almost get killed by an alien and so she's essentially by survived she's won this victory over the other predator again it's part two where it does sort of as i say it doesn't gel part two for me and as i mentioned earlier you have this moment where it sort of makes sense if you didn't know about Machiko before where she goes, oh no he's taken that from a marine so they killed humans. Because the original story left her deliberately staying behind on the desert planet, she had severed herself from all human contact because she was fully willing to embrace predator tribalism or whatever it is and a new way of life. So she knew predators killed humans. It shouldn't have shook her up in that way. If you're not familiar with Machiko Machiko, it makes it feels a lot more like, oh yeah, that sort of makes sense. But as someone who's familiar with the original story, um, it was one of those points where I thought, why are you reacting that way? Yeah, you do have these parts in part two where it gets a bit more comic bookish. I didn't really care about the new characters that were being introduced or reintroduced, as it were. There's a part where Machiko makes. She does this odd decision where she crashes this predator ship, but it's got like superficial damage on it. The outside of the hull is smoking, and she's already released the queen indoors. And she said to some people like casually, "Oh yeah, I've got a big alien there, but I'm sure it didn't survive the crash." (laughs) And you're thinking.
1: Wow, you're meant to be familiar with that? That was a little on the <laughs> yeah. nose, yeah. Because she survived the crash, no problem. And like, oh, this big yeah. hulking monster just probably didn't exactly. survive. Let's not even check. like, Yeah, and she just opens a hatch and it's like, there's no problem getting out the ship.
2: This is notable for technically being one of the biggest depiction of the most pred-aliens in a comic strip because all the, the surviving well, predators...
0: pred-aliens.
2: Yeah, but they, they get face-hugged, but they look like normal aliens,
0: yeah. That, that, that was one of the issues I actually yeah.
2: had. Just... But it, it sort of goes back to the original story because you had the rinth being chest-bursted and they look like normal because it was before Alien 3. But it would have been nice to
0: see pred-aliens, yeah. Thing is, this one came after Duel. Hmm. Which introduced yes, the it did. into That's the crew, yes, and Randy Stradley also wrote that comic as yeah. well, so it's the same writer. <laughs>
2: That's true, yeah,
0: yeah. So um, when you take factor that in, yeah,
2: as when you look at it purely as a continuation, it worked, but it would have been nice to see, you know, because you see all these predators, the, you know, the chest are emerging, and you think, oh, okay, this is going to bigger and better and badder, but they're just like normal aliens. Yeah, but then it's a lot of fluff about this umbrella corporation-like bad guy who's a corporate you don't really care about. You have the people from this nemesis shuttle you don't really care about. It just feels like an excuse to get Machiko out of the Predatorship back into human society, which she deliberately severed herself from because she suddenly become aware of, oh, my friends, they hunt eight humans? Oh, no, 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 no. And it's very weird at that point. But part one, I will
0: forever love, but part two is sort of like where it goes, they should have stopped it there. I think for me, it's just primarily missing that bit where she's genuinely enjoying her time as a predator and it starts to turn. I mean, I think I think war does a good job at sort of showing why she would turn back in terms of how poorly she's being treated. Yeah, she gets her own room, but she's down there in the pits and it's a cubby hole. You know, she's constantly having to prove herself despite the fact that she is capable. She's in the bottom of the friggin' ship with a queen skull. For God's sake, you know, she she is capable, but I think it does a good job at building up to pushing her over that point. Yeah. You know, she does know that the humans are hunted by the predators. I presume that she hasn't been involved in any of these, which is why it might be a bit of a big shock. But I think, yeah, you know, while she might have purposefully isolated herself, you know, two years on your own, then another year when you're with aliens that are not treating you as well as they, they could be if if Broken Tusk was around. Yeah, I can understand that she might start to desire her humanity again. And I personally think that that worked up well to going back. I just wish there'd have been some middle to it and because I think it works. I think it works well in the follow up as well. It really
1: does. In Three World War, like that was the strength of that comic for me. I did find it a little abrupt at the end, and this is going into the Three World War bit, when the new like clan leader is like, no, you have to fight with us. You have to make your choice. You have to fight with us to the death, or you you fully reclaim your humanity and you leave behind your predator way of life forever. And she chooses her humanity again in Three World War. But I, I did like how she kind of came back to the predator culture bit in Three World War, and how, how that worked. And so to have her ultimately like leave all that behind forever in Three World world war i was like ah but she's so cool as like the human that joins with the predators and rolls with them and stuff so it was good to have that back a bit in three world war but it was ultimately a shame when she's like no i'm going to choose humanity and love over that like no you're a warrior come on but
0: (laughs) i think a lot of that is i genuinely feel like that is um, more randy stradley closing the book on evp you know that's him going look i'm done with this character i'm done with writing these crossovers she's done no more but I think, fortunately, there is that sort of year gap that we can revisit if anybody decides to. So the, the, the option's still there. It is, as mentioned, also a sequel to Berserker. And that isn't something that I think is massively common. You know, the Alien and Predator and AVP stories tended to be rather standalone. And yeah, this one picks up both AVP and Berserker. And I don't think there's anything inherently wrong with the idea, but I think the characters are not particularly used well in this you know there was there was no real reason for them other than perhaps just to pick them up and let everybody know that they'd survived so what do you guys think about revisiting uh, other characters do you think they were used well or do you think it was just pointless and page space that could be spent on on Machika? i'm
1: kind of with you Aaron. i think they they weren't used very well and really their purpose was to be Machiko's reconnection to humanity which for that, it, it was kind of interesting, but they just didn't really take it far enough. I thought like it was just like, oh, it's so good to see humans again, like and that was it. And I, I do feel like there could have been a bit more character development, especially the fact that these were survivors from a previous comic that not everyone might have read and not even those three main protagonists but Briggs and Vincent I feel like their characters were just a little too shallow or I feel like in some of the other comics like the Aliens comic Nightmare Asylum like even the villains and even some secondary characters there was a lot of good development and build up that I felt like we just didn't Yeah
0: Briggs and concept. Vincent are just entirely one note without really doing anything with and and Briggs do we think that's a reference to Peter Briggs I felt so but I you know whether or not it was if it was, that's that's kind of cool to to be acknowledged. I mean, even if the character wasn't the greatest, yeah, because he would have he would have written this his script by this point, wouldn't he? When
2: was I that? imagine so. Yeah. I will say, I feel the rest of you guys, they they could have been from any colony. In fact, it would have been more interesting if, considering the reasons Machiko had for questioning her loyalty to predators, it might have been more interesting if they had come from an outpost which had been almost overrun or been successfully almost hunted to death by a predator expedition. Maybe even one of the expeditions where Machiko couldn't join on the hunt. That could have been interesting. That
1: definitely would have caused more attention. Yeah.
2: Maybe. And it could have played into more about maybe some flashbacks from her past on the with the predators. That could have been interesting territory to explore. But as it was, they try to make it into this Wayland Utani needs the data sort of thing. And it was it just It just wasn't interesting to me.
1: I definitely felt like there was a missing flashback or two. Like, not only for her time with the Predators, but also just for our three human protagonists that escaped from the Berserker comics. Like, I would have been able to overlook that a bit more, that they were just throwing these these characters from an alien comic into the story if we had gotten a flashback to at least give us an idea of the events that happened. Is, is
0: this comic. just you not remembering the comic, though?
1: Right, but again, not everyone, like, is going to, to realize, like that those characters are from that comic. And then you just see a little text box that's like read berserker. And it's like,
0: that's just how comics were back then. That's
1: true. And that's, that's again, one of the comic booky elements that I wish this didn't have because I felt like the original AVP comic kind of, Transcended above those tropes. Yeah, whenever I read that little asterisk, read
2: this story in Berserker sort of thing, it did the thing about it felt a little bit on the verge of like product placement, basically. And part two, like part one, it still has that cinematic tone that the original AVP comic enjoyed and worked so well. Part two feels like
1: a comic; it doesn't
2: feel as cinematic as part one. That's
1: yeah this comic started off way stronger than it, than it ended. And th- even the the middle part as well, like the opening where, again, that was its own comic. But for me, my first experience of this was all as one comic with war. But I imagine for people who originally read that as part of the, the Dark Horse Presents series, the ultimate follow-up to those like really strong starter comics with capturing the queen. And like you said, Eric, just a very like AVP kind of D-Day look. Like those were some great, panels and the original start of, of these comics but it just didn't stay that strong throughout the entire story. I,
0: I don't I don't think I've said anything about Zero. Zero is fantastic you know Chris Warner's uh, line work in that and I think Sinclair's colouring in that is superior to everything we, we get in, in war itself and there's just loads of like little moments you know I love seeing I'm a huge fan of those Giga-esque egg silos that the um, EU adopted as as the alien hives. I love that. I love the the, the visuals of the the predators coming down the uh, the ship, firing. You know, with the narration that you know this isn't a hunt. This is this is war. There's none of this ritual rule set in place here. And you know, you've got Topknot coming down, and he's got his his wrist-mounted energy weapon firing. He's got his shoulder cannon going off at the same time. Could you imagine that, one, Phil? That'd be immense. The closest we probably got to that was the flashback sequences in AVP. Yeah, on
1: top of the, the pyramid when they do yeah. self destruct. Yeah. Now that would be an epic scene to see for sure. And it is in this comic. And again, it just starts so strong that it's unfortunate how it, it kind of uh, doesn't keep up that momentum.
2: I would like to say with Chris Warner's art, he has he has a real flair for dynamic poses. I mean, just they, they're just this. Even if you don't have the landscape stuff at the start, and it does these close-ups of the alien jaws opening, you have this great one of them, as you say, on this um, this ramp, and you just have these fantastic alien poses where it uses even the tail, the whole layout of the alien figure, and you just having being ripped to shreds by this energy beam, and you have all these. Pre- just the way it's posed, Chris Warner has a beautiful way of doing that. Was it just me, or does Shorty's helmet look very much like wolves in Requiem? Because yeah, it's got it those spikes, spikes around. It, yeah. I'm, I'm half wondering if it was inspired
0: by this. I'd be interested if it was. I can totally see the similarities. Yeah, for sure.
2: I mean, there's no glyphs on it, but the shape wise, it looked very much like wolves.
0: Yeah. I, can, I can see that.
1: Yeah, it is kind of similar. With those side spikes. But I I definitely think the front part is a
0: different shape. And it looks like he has some spikes on the bottom of the mask as well. Another thing I quite actually liked about War was the inclusion of that predator with the bandana around his arm. Because like I said, that, that, that guy was from Blood Time and from Duel. So, I really enjoy seeing those, um, those through lines. I, I really like that. So, even though we didn't really get to do anything in this and it being a bit of a eh, kind of kick off, I did get a kick of actually seeing him back. Although it's a shame we, uh, we presume Top Knop's dead because he, he doesn't appear in Three World War. And I assume it's probably a good idea as well, because I don't think he'd have been so amenable to um, the team-up idea if (laughs) Machiko was trying to propose it and he was still the leader. But I assume he's uh, dead and gone, thanks to Max. It did kind of feel like perhaps this could have done with being a longer issue. You know, it ends really abruptly, so... Maybe it was a maybe there was a bit of a, a page count issue going on here. Do you think it would have worked better if there have been a bit more fleshy, a bit more space to flesh things out? Maybe the um, Nemesis crew wouldn't have felt so uh, mm. underutilized if if they'd had more time to do things. Yeah, the comic felt shorter than the first
1: one, honestly. I don't know if it was or not based on page count, but it felt shorter. The The first one, the original um, Prey, I guess, was like each act felt like of equal length. Whereas in this one, each act felt a little shorter than the previous. Like the intro felt the longest to me. The middle felt a bit shorter. And then the end felt just kind of rushed. And when they get up into space and she's just like, I found my humanity again. And then it ends. There was more to tell there, I think, regarding the aftermath. So Yes, I do wish they had had a bit more time to work and, and flesh what out What are the, the thoughts
0: story? on the expansion to the Predator culture then? I mean, we we got little bits of it in in the original and then um, it sort of went a lot bigger in this one, you know, the whole hunting sort of sign language that she uses to communicate, you know, that's a through line into Three World War, which I liked. And I actually liked them using sign language in this one because, you know, I have a whole thing against the Yautja culture and all the cluck cluck kind of language that they use in that so I really appreciate the um, the sign language in this then you get you know you get bits and pieces about you know the closest thing they have to a religion being archaic rituals and reasons for using specific weaponry and specific ships on these hunts it wasn't it wasn't too space samurai enough for me to not like it so i actually quite liked those uh, little bits and inclusions you know reasons for things being lost in lost in history and other stuff being practical so what about you guys Did, did that work for you did the lore expansions work there I mean, it was cool to
1: see, especially the, the ship that they were all living on this mothership. But I think personally, and again, this is just personal preference. They took the whole caste system a bit too far with the like predators just living in the bowels of the ship. And I'm like, damn, like, but at the same time, you have to imagine like, yes, predators, you'd have to earn your place in society. But I don't know. It's just not something we've seen in the movies. I guess, too much. The predators have always kind of treated each other as equals in in the films, even if some are more decorated than the rest. So to me, it felt a bit to um, the, the classes and casts of predators. I think they might have taken that a bit far. But again, that's my personal preference. Just like you don't like the whole space samurai depiction of them, Aaron, the whole like, oh, we treat our younger predators and our inexperienced predators like shit. Like for me, I don't like that idea of the race.
2: In regards to the Predators, it sort of made sense in a way to have them sleeping in the bowels nakedly if that was their entire culture. I was reading it, and one of my first impressions is, well, why are they even on this hunting voyage on a spaceship in the first place? Why would they even be allowed on the spaceship if they hadn't earned the right to do anything? You have like Topnot, He could have been interesting, but he was too too similar to like an imperial japanese officer from world war ii which i mean that could have been interesting to play with if machiko had reflected on it because she would have had some you know heritage reasons for doing her own analogy there like in the original comic when she first sees a predator and she refers to like the stories of her childhood with samurai but um strangely she didn't make the comparison here and you have Top not being at odds with the vibe I typically got from the films, which was predators as the ultimate improvisers, and she has this moment in the hive where they're capturing a queen, and she improvises by simultaneously saving the entire mission, saving all their lives, and he hits her for it because she had to abandon her, you know, the post she'd been place at which was a guard or something and you think it's too close to human references I would have preferred something more tribal and more more of a meritocracy without being by the book because for me predators don't seem by the book I I always prefer the whole bloodthirsty rednecks on the safaris type deal rather than um, Perry's in the novel so um, yeah the the reasons for Tottenham not acting like he did were at odds with how I feel about how predators should be depicted and it was also a little too human in terms of there is an obvious reference from history there. I did like how like you're going to the hierarchy of the predators and stuff. That was genuinely interesting. But yeah, I I think they should have gone further with it. And As I say, you have all these naked predators basically acting like on a Viking orgy and her being a waitress and it just felt like, no, that's not how predators should be. They shouldn't even be on the spaceship in the first place. <laughs> Maybe they're born on there.
0: Maybe it's one of that's those. That's true. Things.
2: That's true. They could have been. Well,
0: I think it's the rage war that puts across them being nomadic, which would kind of, you know, work towards all that kind of thing. And what about the aliens' treatment then? You know, we were, I think we were talking off air about the whole bugs thing. Oh, yeah. How, how do we feel about this? What, well, the reference to bugs? Well, just, just the general how the aliens are portrayed in this. It
1: was interesting in the beginning seeing the process of the queen being captured. And that was a good connection to the original comic since we we just saw the, the queen already captured in that one. And her interactions with the warriors, how they kind of had to keep their distance so they wouldn't damage her by accident once the predators had captured the queen. like that dynamic of a queen. And eventually she's like, okay, attack to her warriors when she's sure she's, she's going to be captured aboard the ship. And then they make like this last ditch effort to to try and uh, free her. So that was kind of interesting. But again, throughout the rest of the comic, we don't see that continue. It just turns into the aliens are attacking. Like we don't see another hive after that, uh, or one being established on the the human planet. So yeah, I mean, there were, They're pretty much your standard aliens, although it was interesting seeing kind of like we saw in the original Aliens film with the Queen telling her warriors to back off uh, in the scene with Ripley. Um, It was something in in line with that, in my opinion, but it just didn't continue any further. I did
2: like how they played around a little with, because Machiko is the one that basically lures the... Queen, they eventually capture into where she needs to be, you know, strapped up and all that. Or where it did play around with the concept of possibly this queen has sort of made a
1: personal animosity thing against her. Forgot about that one, when Machiko's like she hates me the most.
2: Yeah, but they she actually it's a very cool thing where she actually compares like the predators utterly. Utter complete indifference to her, and she, in some ways, she prefers this seething hatred she gets from sort of walking up to the Queen. She prefers that to this just being blanked. And it's like that's a very sort of interesting psychological way of conveying that I like that but they didn't really explore that I would have liked to them to have explored that I, I do think that if you look at the way the aliens are portrayed in terms of behavior in the original AVP the way they're portrayed in this in both parts is totally in line with that it fitted in the films with how aliens are portrayed I didn't have any problem with that I did find myself questioning as cool as it was to look at them capturing a queen in the original IEVP story where Machiko is introduced it starts out with the predators always identifying a queen laying egg and then destroying it what was then you know stopping them from just taking one of those eggs of capturing a, you know a random host and letting you know that I be bred that. as a queen because it starts yeah, out and, that and, and the whole thing it's yeah, I and mean, you could say, well, it's to get honor.
1: They specify that it's not a, an honor hunt. Yeah,
2: yeah, they say it's so many predators have died for that. And if I, elect, if I killed the queen, it would be dishonoring the sacrifice, which is very good plot device for seeing how she gets out of the situation without killing the queen. She's handicapped. I like that, but... Why do you have to capture a live queen on a planet of aliens? That's what didn't make sense about that. But I
1: liked how they were portrayed. Just
0: completely ruined the first issue. Maybe since that
1: clan had lost their queen previously, they had to regain one, even though the clan had a new leader with Topknot now. Yeah, like they so had,
0: something must even have Even if it's not
1: an honor hunt, they still have to earn the queen because another clan is not just going to give them a queen egg. So, I don't
0: mm, know. That, that could be an interesting way of looking at it, yeah. But they should have explained that, I think. Unless theirs was the ship that the Queen was the one that was on the ship that crashed in duel. It's been so long since I read that, that one, Was either. it? <laughs> We're trying to make well, up excuses. Per- per- perhaps, because, you know, um, the the guy with the the bandana, you know, he's all a part of that clan as well, and that was his story. And that was a predator mm. ship that had crashed. But by
2: down no, because. Yeah. Because he comes in because she says, oh, all the clans are gathering. So it's like he comes aboard their ship. So the, the ship that's capturing this queen, that's a completely different deal going on.
0: Mm, maybe. I'll we'll have to see if we can get Randy Stradley to clarify some things at some point.
2: Mm. I think it would basically come down to it was cool. Which it was.
0: Yeah, rule of call, I guess. But, you know, I I like that that sequence sort of threw back to Aliens, you know, using her her communication with with the aliens to launch the surprise attack, not from where they thought it was coming from. Yeah, I like that. In general, I I always have a problem with how the EU refers to them as bugs and tends to treat them as, you know, easily disposable kind of thing. I don't don't think... I mean, I understand that Issue Zero, Part 1, whatever, was, you know, it, it was a big scale conflict you know the predators were going in all guns blazing as they should be but i'm never i'm never too sure how i feel about the aliens in this big sort of tidal wave kind of attack mode you know i always prefer them i prefer them like isolation stompy i prefer them like aliens, like a
2: yeah but i mean if if they've got the numbers they're going to swarm if there's a threat to the queen i mean that's what they're going
0: to do i know but i still don't always like it. I mean, it, it makes sense, but... Well, it,
2: I mean, in fairness there are those isolated, like when Shorty first gets attacked, it is this isolated alien just waiting in yeah, ambush for him. them. So, yeah. yeah, you see sort of both going on.
0: i tell you what I do really like, though, is the reference to the aliens as um, Cancer Black. Um, I think that was, a, that was a cool little nickname for mm. them. Although I don't think it shows up in any of the other comics or anything. Um, if any of the listeners out there know better, I'd love to hear, but I can't remember it being in anything else. I know there was an old avp classic mod that was called that back in the late 90s but those are the only two times i can think of it and interestingly actually they did a little five or six card run in the aliens predator universe card set trading card set that was sort of like a retelling of that particular mission and in it you know the the law referred to the aliens as um the predators called them the black Death, which i like as well i like that kind of ominous simple mythological yeah
1: I was saying earlier that I felt the story needed uh, more flashbacks, but I forgot about the one flashback it did have, which was where it shows uh, part of the previous comic where Machiko saves Broken Tusk from the Queen initially, and then she kills him eventually.
0: Huh. And that's new art as well, weren't it? That, that wasn't copy and
1: paste. Yeah, it and that, that was it was kind of cool to see those exact same panels, but totally different art. Like a, 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 a tiny like fragment of what might have been a remake of that comic. And I kind of, like, put the idea in my head, like, wouldn't it be cool if they just remade a comic, like, an earlier iconic comic with new
0: artwork? Yeah, oh, Sam new colors. <laughs> and like- Re- Redo Earth Hive. No, um, Female War. Female War. Yeah. Well, we're, and we're always prattling on about recolors anyway, so I think I think we'd totally be up for that kind of thing.
1: I don't think that's ever been done, though, right? Like, uh a complete remake of an older comic with new line
0: art and I everything. Think so. As far as, like, art I can not speak for the Marvel and DC stuff anyway. I'm not knowledgeable enough with those ones to know. But no, I'd, I'd certainly be interested. I think that'd be a unique twist.
1: Yeah. But it was cool seeing that flashback and seeing those panels with new artwork. It was... It was- neat to see the story just needed one or two more flashbacks for you
0: <laughs> for me yeah i can remember berserker so i'm fine but they do feel wasted i, I must be honest i mean El- ellis would eventually go on to to make an impact in three world war and they do anyway, the same you know.
1: thing in that comic too like three world war has its own flashbacks i think as well that go over some of the events of both war and the first one I honestly can't remember
0: okay does anybody have anything else to uh, talk about with
1: avp war I just think even though it wasn't quite the sequel to the original comic I wanted, it's still very much worth a yeah, read. I, I still enjoy uh, it, despite yeah. its issues. The artwork...
0: You know, I, I enjoy all three of the them. The artwork
1: is great, and I enjoy all three of them as well. They work well as a trilogy, but for me, you'll just never top that that first comic. And I wish War would have gotten a little closer to maybe not topping it, but to being a satisfying sequel for me. Even though it's still a good read and it still continues Manchico's story and that held my interest.
0: What about you, Eric? Is it, is it still worth the read even if it wasn't as good as the original?
2: Well, as I say, part one definitely is. It's part two just has a completely different tone and I just didn't care for the human characters they were introducing Um, some of the stuff that's still on the Predator ship is interesting because that sort of trails off but um, yeah part one is definitely worth a continuation it's just the rest of it I was just like ah it's a generic comic
0: alien Predator comic I, I do really enjoy it. I, I have issues with the colouring, but I have issue with a lot of the colouring of the older comics anyway. But I, I do genuinely enjoy this one in spite of all its issues. I say all of its issues, like it has a thousand. But no, it, it wasn't. it's not been the strongest AVP story. I, I prefer both Three World War and the original over this. There's a complete package, you know, including things like Duel, including Blood Time. I, I dig it and I will happily sit there and just beast through these without losing any of the entertainment factor.
2: I think the problem is that by virtue of being a sequel, and especially by virtue of being a story where Machiko features at the most sort of arguably interesting moment of her life, which is what happened next, the problem is that it suffers from direct comparison syndrome. If you had had a similar story where it wasn't Machiko, it was a human who you have been you know, you were aware that they had somehow joined up with the Predators somehow, would it have felt different as a, you know, on me or anyone else as a reader by being a completely separate story to the original AVP? I think that's a uh, that's a question each reader is going to have to ask themselves. But I think the, the biggest problem is that it does suffer from You will inevitably come go back in your mind to oh, yeah, that's uh, that's not as good as whatever. It might be interesting to give it to someone who has never read the original AVP to see what their feelings are about it, but yeah, I think the comparison issue really hurts it more, it hinders more than helps it in the same way as Prometheus is you know, it's it's a fine science fiction of its film by itself, but it. It suffers from being always compared with the original Alien. Yeah, you know, I don't
0: think we've ever really. Have we talked Prometheus with you? Yeah, we did a whole thing. I'll tell you, i say I can't remember you ever being so kind to it. It must have been so long since we've. Yeah,
2: I mean that. that I think that was my bottom line for Prometheus. It suffers from being compared, and on its own, it would be. Um, you know, if it wasn't connected to the Alien films, it would have been. It would have been looked upon more kindly, I
1: think. Oh, I've always thought that, yeah, like as a standalone sci-fi film, if it was just completely isolated from the, the Alien universe,
0: I would have been a lot more receptive to it. Right. <laughs> if we're done with war then, and if those are the final words on war, yeah, I just thought it'd be, you know, nice to just sort of briefly talk about some of the stuff we've had this year, because I think it's been a good year. Then the 40th anniversary of Alien, and even with the Fox buyout at the end of the year, you know, um, Disney buyout, sorry, at the end of the year, Fox managed to managed to put out some good stuff i think we started on a good note with blackout i think it's not appreciated as much as it should be but for me that that was a good start of the year yeah yeah
1: and compared to like all the backlash it initially got just for what it was i think it it proved itself and even though I haven't gone back to play it and I still think it could have used more replayability factors and hopefully they'll still add some content down the line. For what it was, it's so rare just to find a standalone mobile game without ads thrown in your face the entire time. And it it just reminded me of what I thought mobile gaming could initially be capable of. And it was it was awesome. And it was a good continuation of Amanda Ripley's story as well, which was a surprise. But yeah, it's been a great year to be a fan like that and the 40th anniversary shorts were fantastic. And for me personally, getting to go out there and watch them and meet the directors of that was such a cool experience. Like as someone who's always liked the fan films in this franchise, to see them actually backed by the studio for the first time was such a unique and new thing. And I really hope it's not the last we see of that, you know, in a few years time, we'll have the Aliens 35th anniversary, I think. So hopefully we can also um, get some studio sanctioned celebratory events for that as well that would be nice. But yeah, this year we got Alien Isolation on Switch and I'm just happy that a bunch of new people get to experience that game that may have not for the first time because it was such a great addition to the franchise. And uh, the fact that the port is so strong because I played some other shooter ports on the Switch like Wolfenstein and Doom, which I thought, yeah, we're okay. But the graphics and the input latency were just a bit disappointing. But for this one, it seems like a really solid port like Feral Interactive. Everything I've heard on that as well as Digital Found did a, a kind of graphic analysis of a switch port and they were totally blown away by it as well so i recommend checking that video out of theirs but uh and aaron you played through the switch port yourself recently you, you've been live streaming that and for you like how how has that been
0: i've just finished it today actually i finished a couple of hours before we um we started recording and i i only tend to revisit isolation once or twice a year because it's a game I like to sit down and just sink into you know I like to sit down for a six hour session and then the next day sit down for another six hour session and just beast through it just completely immersed so it tends to stay quite fresh when I'm playing because I don't know it as intimately as I might know some of the other ones that I just beast through all the time so it, it keeps isolation feeling special to me, and this did not feel like a lesser experience than playing it on my PC. You know, it was weird at times because I fumbled with the uh, radial menu uh, <laughs> quite a bit because I wasn't used to a, a controller and having to flip around with me blinking analog sticks. And there were a couple of bugs that weren't quite—they were funny. They were funny bugs. I got set on fire once and stayed on fire, and it was hilarious. But graphically, you know, it looks gorgeous. I would not have expected it to have looked so nice. And even in handheld mode, you know, it it goes down a resolution and loses some of the detail, but it still works, you know, pop your headphones on and you are still able to be immersed in the detail that's being given to you on on that um, handheld mode. It, it, it looks, it was so polished. It performed so well. And it was just, yeah, I completely agree. You know, Feral Interactive have done a fantastic job with it. I'm looking forward to writing the review, actually, because I, I hate it when I have to do a downer review. But when I get to do one where I'm like, yes, this is just as fun as last time, then I'm I'm very happy.
1: Well, we've also had a number of books this year, novels, comics, as well as some awesome behind-the-scenes books and just art books. We've had J.W. Uh, J. Rinsler's book, the Making of Alien, right?
0: Which, yeah, I cannot recommend that book enough either. You know, that that is a fantastic behind-the-scenes retelling. You know, it goes up there alongside with CDL's documentaries. You know, it's that detailed and that, again, immersive. You know, it's not just doesn't just say the story of of Alien, you know, this preamble as well. Like we were talking about with Origins, you know, it it built us into who these people were before they made Alien that all matters to the story of Alien. There's loads of extra details in there that I haven't seen before. You know, details of who's actually inside the Alien suit, when they filmed what. You know, it's all done in filming sequence. And that's the level of detail we haven't really got and is very much appreciated. You know, if you are interested in the the behind-the-scenes kind of stories like that, go out and buy that book. It is brilliant.
1: Uh, We also had The Blueprints, which was long-awaited, long-delayed. That finally came out. I
2: loved that book. For those of us who are... I know Aaron is not very into the sort of dry technical readout sort of stuff, but those of us who are, it was very much, because I was worried that, well, if you've got the Colonial Marines technical guide, would it, is it worth getting? Yes, it is very much worth getting, especially if like me or into technical details of the hardware. Um, It adds little things. It does include little Easter eggs like Bay 12, which (laughs) brought a smile to my face. And it does all the prequel stuff as well, so it's completely up to date. If you want basically a James guide to alien hardware, it's pretty much all
1: in there. I love that. Speaking of the prequels, they re-released a previously released book, The Alien Vault, by Ian Nathan, and that was updated to include content from the prequels as well. And I'm sure we'll miss some. I mean, there's just been a number of books and comics this year. Yeah, Alien Echo, our first book targeted towards
0: young adult readers in the franchise which i thought was great honestly it was surprisingly good yeah i you know you go into a young adult expecting it to be tame as fuck and this was not tame it was great at all it was very good and a nice introduction to a, a, a new interesting character. I'm kind of scared we're not going to get to learn more about now that um, uh, Brian Wood's...
1: Yeah, that's something we haven't really talked about, is it? And I don't know if we <laughs> even should. But I was looking forward to that comic as well. Speaking of of Wood though, uh, Defiance was just re-released in a nice big hardcover and and we've seen a number of strong re-releases like Dead Orbit by James We, we could never Stokoe. decide on that is to it? It. Right. <laughs> but he, uh, Dead Orbit, got a nice hardcover and we got to see some of those panels that he he had talked about that were um before the the kind of change in tone in the story and so that was really cool to see oh
0: and the alien three thing that that was a big thing for me this year i've been that's the kind of thing i've wanted to see ever since i realized people were interested in that you know ever since dark horse did the star wars like 10 years ago or whatever which rinsler actually wrote rinsler wrote that
1: that got a nice hard co- cover as well as well as uh we got our Amazon audio drama, which those audible audio dramas have been so cool. And the only reason I haven't listened to River of Pain and Sea of Sorrows is because I want to read the books first, because I had such a good experience reading out of the shadows and then listening to that audio drama. So over the holidays, I'm definitely going to try and get through River of Pain and Sea of Sorrows so I can finally listen to those. But after reading the the Alien 3 Gibson comic and the screenplay for that, it was awesome to especially having Michael Bean and, and Lance Henriksen reprise their roles. Yeah, they were older, but they still... You could tell they gave it their all, and and it was awesome.
0: Prototype, I really enjoyed as well. I was I was disappointed by the isolation novelization, and I was disappointed by the um, digital series. But those have been the only misfires for me this year.
1: Yeah, it's. You're right on that. We've really had awesome content. And I've told you this, Aaron, but I feel like we're entering like a second golden age of the expanded universe right now. Titan, Dark Horse, they've all been doing such a great job. And it's very refreshing, especially after having to endure the Predator uh, last year and Alien Covenant before that. But honestly, I've warmed up to Covenant a little bit, and I probably will thank the Predator for that. But yeah, we've had so much good content. The RPG, like this is our first tabletop RPG second, that we've had in the universe. Actually. Really? Yeah.
0: yeah. They, they did one back in the 80s, late 80s. Well, the days. first it all that, in a while. Yeah. Well, they, this one's really good. Yep. Really enjoying the RPG at the
1: minute. Yeah. And our friend Andrew Gaska was very critical in, in getting that done. And I believe you and Clara helped him out a bit with mm-hmm. uh, some of your contributions. Got a character named that.
0: after myself in the book. Yeah.
1: I noticed that. I just got me the, the 40th anniversary hardcover. so that's Yeah, lots of lore nice. in I'm there gonna start well digging into that know,
0: gameplay stuff.
1: Yeah, and that's what really surprised me. Like, even if you don't foresee yourself playing the RPG a lot, there's
0: a lot of good lore in there and a lot of good art. Oh, the artwork's phenomenal in that. Um Free League have a fantastic artist, uh, sort of in-house artist, I think, who works on their stuff. And his style just so suits Alien. It kind of reminds me of um, Declan Loftus. So it kind of reminds me a lot of declan loftus's work it was if, if you're on twitter I, I share his work all the time
1: and hunters too came out this year didn't it as far as the predator side of things or was that last year uh,
0: no it would have, would have been end of last year yeah but they've just announced hunters 3
1: yep which was
0: good to hear good to hear they'll be continuing some of the predator stuff and we've got you know we've got um james moore's jim moore's um predator book coming out next year as well the prequel to the uh, the new game hill phonics game
1: which hopefully we will finally see something of next year. Oh, well, fingers we've crossed. We've seen plenty of fun. No, I'm grounds. talking about Ilphonics game. Oh, you confused me. I'm talking about Cold Irons game. Yeah. Yeah, we've
0: seen a good amount. Of- but that's also getting a pretty cool novel.
1: Isn't that
2: the multiplayer
1: only one? <sighs> well, yeah. We don't really we don't know
0: but different, yes. yeah
1: it's yeah. it's what it's rumored as, is a mm. persistent open world multiplayer shooter along the lines of Destiny. But I believe you can play Destiny in some form of single player as well. So I'm not super familiar with Destiny.
2: Also worth mentioning is the, I think they're on Kickstarter, the guys who are doing the Hadley's Hope video game, all non-sanctioned by Fox, it must be said. But it looks beautiful. Yeah. Looks
1: amazing. I think it's just one guy. And it's just one dude. One yeah. dude. Hope for the future. Yeah, we've been keeping up with that for a good while. We did been a, a lot of it? earlier demo. I think he says he's planning on releasing a demo over the holiday this year. Because uh, I think he did last Christmas yeah, was when it that did. came out. So hopefully he'll follow suit. But he's been doing a ton of work on that project.
2: And they apparently are considering, for those of us who want an alien game where you play as the alien, they are considering doing a sort of alien campaign if it does well. So fingers crossed for me,
0: certainly. And that's Aliens Hope for the Future, if anybody's interested in looking that one up. Again, it's something I'm, uh, we're constantly sharing on the socials anyway.
1: Eric, what do you mean? Single player campaign for hunting grounds? No, it's or it for for Cold, it cold for, um,
0: Hope for the Future.
1: Oh, I thought that's what the whole game was was
2: just yeah so. but no no um they're considering what because it's like you know the traditional players a human thing but they said that um if there's em- enough demand and the um funding goes well enough they are considering doing our players the alien. oh
1: yeah that would be interesting. Yeah,
2: which in Hadley's hope would be especially interesting.
1: Yeah, it's so funny to see hope for the future progress because for me like that's kind of what I wanted out of an isolation sequel was it to be more along the lines of the aliens universe and it seems like he's still focusing on the horror and tension of isolation even with the aliens aesthetic and less on the action yeah. element of aliens. So it's been really cool to see that, and I wish Fox would just hire him to make well, it. Well, I mean, they,
2: there's not, because yeah. they are basically unarmed colonists with a few yeah explosives, and that's it, so yeah.
1: Also, for collectors, we've had a lot of good stuff by Sideshow, by NECA. I believe Eagle Moss has concluded their subscription, but they're still releasing some of the spaceships as well as the larger format figures. But yeah, it just... Lots of stuff all around, with the exception of of movies, of course. But if you're into the expanded universe, it's a great time to be a fan right now. Was there anything I missed that you guys have enjoyed? Not that I can think of, mate. I think you've pretty much summed all that up. If you like what's going on right now, support Dark Horse, the Essentials Volume One. Yeah, is awesome. And Titan,
0: yeah, good re-release of these. They have announced. They have announced a second. Well, they haven't announced it. It's up on Amazon. A second. Um essentials for alien as well oh really yeah which seems to seem to be like the mad scientist kind of volume with things like labyrinth in it also and Rogue. I think. the
1: original aliens versus predator comic is getting a nice new hardcover to go along with the aliens and predator anniversary re-releases uh-huh. that dark horse did uh so that should be nice unfortunately that would have been the perfect opportunity to recolor it but since it's an anniversary
0: i think they'll probably stick with the
1: initial coloration
0: i don't think we'll even get the original color i think it will be the same in color version that we've had for years yeah i I don't think it's gonna be the monica livingston they should do that for the anniversary but yeah well uh, yeah i I wouldn't be surprised if they've lost like all that stuff that's why i don't think we're gonna get (laughs) reprints uh recolors of, of that series but anyway it's been a good year it's been a good year, and uh, I'm quite looking forward to 2020 as well. You know, we we know we've got some books already announced. This Phalanx that's coming out, which I'm the really interested in, because it sounds yeah. so different. Again,
1: they're it. slip they're slipping on the cover art, man. <laughs> yeah. At least it's not the at least it's not the Colonial <laughs> oh, Marines artwork anymore. Awful. But there's they could still use some proper yeah. uh, designs on that.
2: I got a feeling the considering the synopsis, it's going to be one which divides people. It'll either be loved or hated depending on what your view of it is but um it's gonna be interesting
0: we'll see. i i quite like scott's um, story in bug hunt as well so i'm going into it with pretty reasonable expectations to be entertained with this one hopefully we'll be seeing the release of the alien shooter you know the the prequel books out next year so hopefully that means the game's going to be out we've got predator hunting grounds I would love to see a physical
1: release of the 40th anniversary shorts as well. Like just something like maybe for alien day
0: or something. Oh yes. That'd be nice. Yeah. That'd be nice. Mm. Hopefully they continue with alien day. We don't know how it's going to be under Disney regime, but hopefully that's still something that's celebrated annually and we'll get something. It might not be as impressive as last year because the year before the 2018, I don't think was massively great from what I remember, but just, just something would be nice yeah because 2017 well it's mostly fan generated there's a so. lot of official tie-in
1: stuff too well
0: i don't know we got a, yeah we we got a lot this year we got a lot for covenant year but you know it'd just be nice to know something's still gonna happen on the platforms on the social platforms and stuff like that and predators getting content as well you know they've got uh, hunting grounds uh, the prequel novel for that and hunters 3 and we know we've got an avp comic kicking off soon so yeah hopefully 2020 is going to be another good year i just don't expect it to be quite as active as this year well no it's going to be pretty active with two games coming out yeah i think we're going to do well next year well
1: we don't know if cold iron's game will actually
0: release this year or if yeah, they'll true. Just but even still it even still one one multiplayer focus games should do us uh, should give us a nice jolt definitely we'll have the game nights again finally oh yes because
1: when yeah. is the last multiplayer game we all well, colonial marines right so 2013 and that didn't really yeah. catch on with
0: people yeah. so really it was yeah so it's been a while and i had so much fun on those nights and it'd be nice to do them probably probably do some live streaming with those as well i've enjoyed doing it with isolation
1: see i've been told in you you would like the live stream and you were resistant to it when we were doing our little test but you did a great
0: job honestly on on the switch It's one. so reliant on you know when we're doing our let's plays you know it's me and you. We're there. We're bouncing off each other. We know we've got to bounce off each other to keep people entertained. You know, the live plays are different because it's me, and I'm relying on the audience, on audience participation. So it's not always guaranteed to be as you know too entertaining. You know, I'm not, I'm not a star player or anything like that. So it's a little harder. And I'm constantly worried. Interactive. Yeah, but I'm I'm totally up for giving it um giving it a go with uh, with Hunting Grounds gameplay. So that should be starting up next year as well. We'll get our um A V P two let's play cracking off and um all the live streams I did for Isolation are up on the YouTube channel. You can go back and watch them, and I'll have my review for that up soon anyway. And um, yeah, thank you for sticking in 2019 out with us. I hope you've enjoyed all our um all our episodes, all the content we've been putting out on various. channels. Channels, you know, um hopefully you you look to us for the news and stuff as well, um, because we do try our best to stay on top of things. Um, and, you know, come back to 2020 with us as well. Celebrate episode 100 with a nice, what should be really interesting interview. Oh, and before we do crack off as well, I just want to say, you know, if you are listening, whatever platform you're on, please do give us things like uh, ratings and um, low reviews and stuff like that. It helps other people see us. And I finally found a tool that will let me look at. YouTube, uh, uh, iTunes reviews because I can't see them. Because I'm UK, so I can't see uh, all these. iTunes stuff. even
1: still a thing. I thought they switched to even uh,
0: like Apple well, Music it's all now. Same right? into really. And um, we we had a we had a nice review um in September. You know, Aaron and Ker always provide an entertaining and insightful listen around the avp universe. The online forum community is top notch too. Easily the best place for any Zeno or predator fan oh no do i there was a there was a negative one i just wanted to throw up as well um from a few years ago that i hadn't read which it made me laugh so i just wanted to share that anti-fan podcast it's mostly um, negative and nitpicking, <laughs> as you would expect. Not what an actual fan would want to hear. They overthink <laughs> and pick everything apart to the point that they'll even chide the original <laughs> films at times. Kids with cheaper equipment. Oh no! So attitudes. we
1: have more expensive equipment now. God forbid okay, so that part has been taken <laughs> care of. But I mean, we're fans. Of course, we fucking nitpick. That's kind of like our our jam you know of any fan of anyone who's obsessed enough with these universes to do a podcast about it and to run a website about it we're gonna be a little nitpicky
2: so we try to give constructive criticism (laughs) that's the
1: only
0: bad review we turn up your mics in the last five yes there's another one yeah but that 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 was medium that (laughs) was was a medium one
1: so i feel like our audio quality has improved Yes, we can go on tangents a little bit. We can ramble. But I'm not going, the best at recapping stories. I'm sorry. You're better at that than me, Aaron. I should just leave Leave that on. I here. hate
0: you, though. I, I I hate
1: recapping.
2: I'll do it, man. Bunch oh. of people did stuff. Yeah, when the is
1: the last time you did it, Eric? <laughs> Never.
2: <laughs> Never invited. <laughs> oh, All right, then. Next recap's all on you, Eric. Excellent. What are we do, talking about, though?
1: I don't
0: know yet. We'll figure right. it out.
2: Be something I don't
0: know. <laughs> <laughs> I'll wiki it. Um, Anyway, yes. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, Thank you for 2019, and we look forward to spending 2020 with you. As always, you can find us on avpgalaxy.net for the hub of all our activity. Uh, Message boards on there, old school ones. Social media-wise, we have a group and a page on Facebook, and we have a Twitter page and an Instagram page and a YouTube page. YouTube channel, sorry. Um, Content on there has never been as steady as I would have liked, but it's, it's... Genuinely hard work and time consuming to do that stuff. And this is, after all, a hobby. So I don't, I don't have all the time in the world to do those things, but we get there slowly, but steadily. If you're interested in following me personally, I do have a Twitter account and that is at underscore Corporal Hicks and that's AVP, Stargate, Halo, Airsoft, just generally all my, all my interests, not just AVP stuff. If you'd like to follow me
1: personally, um, best places to do so would be Instagram and Twitter and it's at Ridgetop21 for both.
2: Uh, my artistic outputs at scent analysis on uh, deviant art, and I need to put up the Christmas. Oh yeah, you
1: do. EVP Galaxy. Not much time left? Social media
0: stuff. Yeah. Yes,
2: yeah. and uh, I will be doing that in the next couple of days. So
0: yay! It's Jingle bells. I always look forward to the uh, the Christmas themed stuff. Thank I'm looking you. forward to the the two days when <laughs> we get snow on the website as well. I always, <laughs> yes. I always like that. Uh, but yeah. So thank you everybody for listening. This has been Corporal Hicks. Rich Top Signing off.